0: Roy, what's up, Liquid Church? How y'all doing today? My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Let's send that Christmas love to all of our campuses and those watching online. What's up, guys? It is exciting to be with you here as we are wrapping up our series, The Advent Conspiracy. Advent is a time for thousands of years that Christians have actually come together to prepare, to pray, to reflect as Jesus comes, his advent to earth. And so as a church, what we've been doing is we've actually been lighting a candle on each of these these candles on the advent wreath. In fact, we've asked a different family every single week to come and light. And so today, we have a not-so-typical family. This is actually a group of our young adults and our college students, uh, 20-somethings. You guys are all in your 20s, right? Okay. Just give them some noise. I was going to card them earlier, but I decided not to. Um, but these guys actually meet every week, and I would say they're more than just friends. They're actually a family. You all know what a family is? It's when you're friends and you're so tight that you meet every week and you do life together, you actually become family. And that's what these guys have become. We've got Matt and Alex, Karina, Tiffany, Kat. I called her Kate last service. (laughs) And we have Kaylee here. So guys, thank you so much for coming. And so in a moment, what they're going to be doing is lighting our final candle. And then they're going to be reading from the scripture. And the final candle that we'll be lighting on the wreath before we light the one in the middle is the peace candle. Now, the peace candle is important because it's the final candle that we light in preparation for Christmas Eve, because on Christmas Eve, we light the Christ candle, which is in the middle, as a way to celebrate Christ coming to earth, and that's what we're going to be doing this Tuesday on Christmas Eve. We are going to be celebrating Jesus across all of our campuses, coming into our reality, breaking through our world, and there'll be a time of rejoicing. So if you are here, we want to invite you to come out. On Tuesday for Christmas Eve, we have 17 services across all seven of our locations. Pastor Tim's got a great message uh, for non-believing friends of yours and family members. so It's going to be a really great service. I want to encourage you to come out and also to invite the folks that are in your life. Well, guys, we are going to be reading a selection from the Gospel of Luke where the shepherds actually encounter the angels. Check this out. A scripture reading from the Gospel of Luke 2, 8-20. Spirit of God, we just thank you so much for coming to the shepherds, giving them this first message of Christmas that you would come to the world. And Lord, I love the posture of the shepherds. They had this posture where they received you with joy. So God, I pray that today, as we hear your word, that we would receive it with joy—the joy that was what sent the shepherds out to go and to share this good news. That was not just good news for them; it was for all people. Let us receive your joy and send it out in Jesus' name, amen. Can we hear it for our college family? Thank you guys so much. It has been a really exciting time as we have been uh, learning about Advent and kind of learning about what does it mean to actually push past the modern Christmas mindset, which is all about aspire to acquire. It's about getting bigger and more stuff and, and kind of getting into debt and, and say, actually saying, what if we actually slowed down this Christmas? What if we actually got back to what it's really about? Kind of stripping it back down to its main essence, because I think so often, we get so caught up running around, getting everything ready for Christmas, getting all the presents, all the food, all of that stuff ready, but we actually miss Christmas. There's so many prepping that we actually miss the wonder. We miss the joy. We miss the beauty of what God has done for us. So we've actually invited you to go a little counterculture. We've invited you to join in the conspiracy, to actually push back against the holiday stress and the holiday craziness that kind of takes over and actually get to the place where maybe we can worship fully this Christmas, make Christ the center of the celebration. Maybe we can actually spend less so we can actually give more. In fact that's what Pastor Tim talked about last week the idea of giving gifts that are relational gifts that are personal gifts that that give our time and our effort and our creativity And it was really fun last week after the service, hearing all the ideas and all the creativity that you guys were sharing about what you're going to do differently this Christmas. Uh, Pastor Tim was sharing with me how this one man was really struggling with what to get his parents for Christmas. They're a little bit on the older side. Uh, They were kind of in the season of downsizing. He's like, I don't know if I want to get them more stuff. I think they're trying to get rid of their stuff. And so he came to the service, still trying to figure out what he should get them. And then after the service, he had this brilliant idea. See, he knew that in his parents' house, in their basement, they had this stack of dusty old VHS tapes. Who remembers what a VHS tape is? Okay, for those of you who don't know, there were these black boxes that you'd put in a VCR, and that's how we would stream movies and television shows back in the day. So, he gets his parents' old VHS and they had like, you know, like family concerts and picnics and Christmas stuff and all these like fun memories and he actually converted them into digital files. And then he uploaded them to the cloud, so on Christmas morning, his parents are going to have the ability to see all of their family's decades-long memories, they can watch them on their phones, on their tablets, on their computer. You know what he did? He actually gave the gift of memories. Isn't that amazing? What a cool idea. And I love all of the cool ideas that many of you are coming up with during this Advent conspiracy. Maybe we can give a little bit differently this year and do something that's a little more more, more personal, more relational. But you know, Christmas time and even the season of Advent reminds us that it's not just about loving the people in our lives well. It's not just about loving your spouse well or your your kids well or, or the people that are close to you well. It actually is a challenge to us. What if this Christmas we actually got to get better at loving all? Actually loving all people. This is the final tenet in the Advent conspiracy. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, "Love love all. Love all. But here's the challenge in a culture like we have when it comes to loving all. Because the truth of the matter is, is love is one of the most overused words in the English language. I mean, think about it. Eskimos have 30 words for Snow. How many words do we have to express affection and love and all these other things? We have one. And so we use it in so many different and sometimes odd ways. We say things like, man, I really love my wife. I love my husband. I I love our, our new baby. But man, I also love pizza. So good. I love heavy metal music. You know, I love an Iron Maiden Christmas. Come on now. You know, we, we use love in all these different ways. And I, one of the things that is so different about the Christmas season is that Jesus doesn't just tell us about love. He actually shows us love. He demonstrates what love looks like. God does that for us. In fact, one of the most famous verses of the Bible we find in John chapter 3, verse 16, which says, for God so what? Love. love the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have what? eternal life. You see, God demonstrated his son by sending Jesus into the world. Think about this for a moment. The God of eternity, the God that created the cosmos and the universe out of nothing. He comes into our world. He comes into our reality, the grit and the grime. And he comes into our daily grind so that he can show us his love, that he is with us in the midst of this. And he shows us that the love of God is unexpected. People expected that God would send Jesus maybe as a powerful king, not as a vulnerable baby. And Jesus was born in poverty, not in a palace, not in great power. Even the way Jesus was announced to this world was really unexpected. You would have thought that God would have gone to the most influential and well-liked people, but instead, he goes to the most reviled, hated group of people in the Middle East of that time. He actually went to the forgotten ones. He actually went to a group called the shepherds. In fact, Luke, who is one of Jesus's biographers, he's also one of Jesus's, um, his, one of the historians of the early Jesus movement. He actually writes this in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. He says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, I know that many of us, when we think of shepherds, maybe we think of something that's more like this. We think of Linus, Right? This is part of our family's Christmas tradition. We make sure we watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special. You know, we got Linus. He's got his little blanket and a little headdress going there. That's how we normally think of Christmas. In fact, I grew up in a church where we would do these Christmas pageants. Any Christmas play survivors in the the house at our campuses? Okay. I say survivor because, folks, every year, I say nine out of ten times, I was typecast as a shepherd. Every year I'd be like, yo, can I be Joseph this year? No, you can't be Joseph. Oh. How, about, how about a wise man? Can I be a wise? No, you can't be a wise man. Can I be a camel? Can I be anything but a shepherd? But no, every year it was a shepherd and it's traumatizing. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So, but that's kind of how we think about the shepherds, right? They're these like characters that are sort of in the background of the Christmas story. Uh, we don't really know too much about them. We portray them as kids wearing bathrobes with stuffed sheep. But, you know, the thing about shepherds, shepherding, it's this ancient practice that's been going on for thousands and thousands of years. In fact, today, there are people that are still shepherding like they were in the time of Jesus. If you go to Afghanistan and Uzbekistan, uh, Mongolia, you still have shepherds that are doing it the same way. In fact, here's a picture of a shepherd from Afghanistan. And so this is a guy who's with his sheep. He travels with them all around. He makes sure they have plenty of grass. They have plenty of water. He takes care of them. And again, this is a profession that still takes place in the same way, usually pretty much unchanged, except for one very important detail. See, the shepherds in the first century did not have a great reputation. They kind of had a stigma about them. You see, no one trusted them. No one liked them. People would go out of their way to avoid them, and they definitely didn't get an invite to the ugly sweater party. You see, these shepherds were, were pretty shady for the most part. In fact, they probably deserved it more than anyone else. Uh, to be a shepherd at that time, uh, you weren't like a soft person. You were grizzled. You were a tough. Uh, you, you, you had to be willing to work long hours. You were doing the stuff that no one else wanted to do. You were working out with the, with the sheep, and you were always with them wherever they went. You would travel with them. You were sleeping alongside of them. In fact, because of the way the job was, you actually couldn't own your own home. You couldn't own your own property. And so these shepherds were extremely poor. They had very little power. They had very little privilege. And they were kind of at the, at the bottom and, and on the margins of almost anything. But it also didn't help that they had a really bad reputation. They were, very, they were known as being manipulative, uh, as con men. The stories they would tell each other about how they would get the best of you to make themselves look better. They were always getting into fights. They are always getting into some kind of conflict. Their words were essentially worthless. And, and to make matters even worse, they weren't allowed at church. They were seen as unfit, unacceptable, and, and really... No one wanted anything to do with them. They really did just kind of fade into the background. They kind of just did the work that no one else wanted to do. They were pretty much known as the forgotten fringe. They were kind of kept to the periphery of society. Can I ask you a question? Who are the forgotten fringe in your life? Who are the men and women that maybe kind of just fade into the background? They almost become like the wallpaper of your world almost invisible and maybe we don't like to admit that sometimes but those people do exist so one of the things I usually do before I get into the office is I like to stop in at Panera Bread to kind of get some some work done and the way I do it is I come in and, you know, Panera Bread's got these kiosks, right? So I go to the kiosk and I put my order in. I get my coffee and then I hide in a booth because I really like being around people. And the problem is if I go to the counter, I'd be like, hey, what's up? How you doing? I'm like a golden retriever. I end up having this conversation and I start talking. and I'm like, oh, I didn't get any work done. And so I'm like, okay, got to get focused. So I go. It's a kiosk. It's coffee. It's the booth. And that's it. And I just, I just got to focus in. So one day I go to the Panera Bread and the kiosk is not working. And so number one, I haven't had coffee yet, so I am not your happy-go-lucky Pastor and I'm like, rah. And so, so I'm like, oh, you know, the kiosk isn't working. So I'm like, all right, maybe I'll just get a cup of coffee and then figure it out later. All of the coffee urns are empty. And so now I, I, now it's like I've got no kiosk, I've got no coffee, now I've got to talk to somebody to get coffee. And, and so I, I go to this one woman, and, and this woman, I've always noticed her. Like I know that she's at Panera Bread, but I've never really talked with her, i never really engaged her. But I'm like, okay, I, just ha- I have to go. I said, excuse me, ma'am, like, um, you know, the kiosk doesn't work. Uh, there's no coffee. I really need to get some work done. And she's like, don't worry, sir. Why don't you go get your computer set up, and then I'll, I'll get you a cup of coffee. And I said, all right, that's fine. And so I'm getting my computer set up and all this other stuff, and I'm feeling frustrated because I need my coffee. You know, you need your coffee, right? A- and so as all this is going on, she kind of comes next to me and says, sir, here, here's your cup of coffee. And I said, oh, thank you very much. How much do I owe you as I reach for my wallet? And she goes, uh, nothing. It's on the house. And in that moment, I just felt extremely humbled. Because here's someone who was on my fringe. She kind of blended into the wallpaper, and she's showing me how to step through that fringe and into my life. And she actually blessed me with, with this free cup of coffee. And I was like, you know what? How many people do I leave on the forgotten fringe? And I'm not engaging with. I'm not sharing the God's love or blessing in any way. Could there be people like that in your life who are on your forgotten fringe? Maybe it's that neighbor that's always walking their dog up and down your street. And you you, you could do one of these with them. What's up? (laughs) But you've never talked with them. You've never gone beyond that. It's whenever you park your car and your kids are coming out. It's that elderly neighbor that says hi and knows your kids' names. But you've only been high and by neighbors for the past 10 years and you've never talked with them. Who are those people? on your forgotten fringe that blend into the background that become invisible? Or how about the folks that kind of make it easy for us to go online shopping? I mean, think about one click and we get our stuff, but there's all these people behind the scenes that are taking your orders and getting them from the warehouse and packaging them and delivering them and driving them and doing the logistics so we can have the perfect gift by Christmas Eve. And they normally don't hear a thank you from you and I, but they always hear a complaint when something goes wrong, don't they? And these men and women are working so hard right now. And they're not just also in retail, but they're working at diners, and they're working at gas stations, all supporting us so that we can have a great Christmas with our family and with our friends. And yet we kind of let them blend into the wallpaper of life. I think of my friend Dave, and Dave's a a police officer. And this Christmas Eve, he actually won't be spending time with his family or friends. He's going to be working around the clock so that you and I can be safe safe. And secure. And a guy like Dave, with what he's doing and what he's sacrificing, I think we take that for granted sometimes, that he's doing that. And it's not just police officers. It's also doctors. It's nurses. It's men and women that serve in the military. That so often we take for granted what they give us and what they offer us. Actually, I want to take a moment right now. And if that's you right now, if you're serving us this Christmas holiday, we just want to say thank you so much. Can we say thank you? <laughs> To so many people that are serving us. But then there's some of you that you feel forgotten this holiday season because you're just trying to survive it. This is actually your first holiday without your mom. Maybe it's your first holiday without your dad. A friend of mine named Haley, this is her first holiday that she's experiencing that she's lost her mom. And so she wrote these words. She says, Christmas has amplified my grief. I've been made dizzy by the twinkling lights, festive songs, and endless present buying. The pressure to be happy has knocked me off my feet. Maybe this Christmas you you kind of feel like you've been knocked off your feet. It's your first Christmas without a loved one. Or maybe it's your first Christmas single again. And everything around you seems to remind you of what you've lost. And you've got to put on a plastic smile and you've got to fake it till you make it, but you kind of feel forgotten. You kind of feel like everyone's moved on without you. And you're kind of left stuck in your loneliness and in your pain and in your grief. And of course, then there's... The poor and the homeless, the overlooked, the ones that Jesus calls the least of these. They've got the least influence. They've got the least social power. They have the least fanfare, the least money. And they're just kind of stuck. But you know what's so interesting? Is that Jesus came first for the forgotten fringe. Which is why he actually started with, with the shepherds. Because God has a history with the insignificant. He has a history with the poor, with the oppressed. It's what theologians call God's preferential passion for the poor. See, God has this fondness for people who are on the outside looking in. And I'm guessing the shepherds were a little confused about why God would show up to them. They're probably thinking, God, why us? Like, we're shepherds. You know that, right? Like, like, why is this even happening to us? We would be the last people on earth that would have box seats to the most important human event in the entire history of the world. Well, they're the forgotten ones, the rejected ones, the hated ones, the worthless ones. At least they are by the standards of this world, aren't they? See, Jesus wanted to flip the script, to turn that upside down. And so God sent a clear message that Jesus came to love all. Someone say Jesus came. Jesus came. To, love to love all. He didn't just come for the powerful, but he came for the poor. He didn't just come for the faithful, but he actually came for the forgotten. He didn't just come for the strong, but he also came for the weak. He didn't just come for the joyful. He also came for the jaded. Amen. Amen? Yes. That's how, what, what God did. That was the gift of his son. Jesus came to love all. So let's go back and look at this story, this one that we've read so many times, from maybe a new perspective. Where it says this: it says this, the shepherds are kind of there. Let me read this in verse nine. It says this: an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So let me paint a picture for you what's going on here. The shepherds are getting ready to probably sleep. They're getting out their sleeping bags. They're sleeping outside under the stars. And, you know, some of them are, are staying awake. They're making sure there's no thieves or wolves and stuff going after the sheep. And as this is going on, all of a sudden, everything is lit up. The sky, it's like it's daytime. And all of a sudden, these angels are showing up. And it says that they're terrified. Do you ever wonder, why are they terrified? are I mean when we think of angels as a culture don't we think about these chubby little cherubs right they're so cute <laughs> they're babies with wings sometimes they have these long white robes and you know they're playing the harp but guys that is not what biblical angels look like biblical angels were powerful biblical angels were intimidating See, biblical angels would, were actually, would, would actually fill you with terror and, and with fear when you first saw them. They wouldn't make you go, aww. They'd make you go, aww. That is what's going on here. So these shepherds, all of a sudden, the sky is filled with things that look like this, and they're freaking out. They're like, we're getting wiped out. We're getting judged for our sin, and we probably deserve it. But notice the first thing that the angels have to say. And they have to say this in every encounter you see. They always start out by saying this. Do not be afraid. Chill out. Because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Like today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Guys, this news this is the greatest news of all. God's son, the prince of peace, was coming into earth, was coming into our reality. The long-awaited prophecy was now happening. And this news went to who? The kings and the queens? No. Nope. It went to the religious elite, right? It went to the philosophers, the smart people. No. Nope. It went to the poor. It went to the rejected and the reviled. It went to the shepherds. That's so crazy. Like, 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 how can that be? Like, why is it that God who'd send this prince of peace, the heir to the throne of heaven, into the trash and the refuge and the gutter of this world? That's not how we would make a baby announcement, would it? Take uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. This past spring, they just had a baby, baby Archie. And when baby Archie was born, they threw a party. In London, at the BT Tower, it had this big sign that said, it's a baby boy. And everyone was celebrating. The royals were riding around in their carriages. People were popping champagne, celebrating that the baby is here. The new king is coming. This is awesome. But that's not what God did, but he could have. God could have gone to the kings and rulers of the era. He could have gone to the scholars. He could have gone to the YouTubers. He could have gone to the Instagram influencers. But he went to the shepherds. They're still on MySpace. The outcasts, the castaways, the people that no one trusted. I'm sure these shepherds are like, I don't get you, God. Why us? No one would even believe us if we, if we told them this. But God wanted to make his intention crystal clear. The, the reason why he gave them this news, the best news of the world to these local losers, is because God sent Jesus to love all. Jesus came to love all, and he started at the forgotten fringe and worked his way inward. Now, again, the shepherds, <laughs> it's a funny thing, right? They're freaking out. They're like, there's angels here. They're these luminous beings, and, and they're telling us not to be afraid. But how do they respond after the, these angels show up? Well, it says this. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. You know what's kind of interesting? Outside of Mary and Joseph, who were the first group of people to see the face of God? It was the forgotten ones, the rejected ones. And the shepherds, they actually got up and they went to Bethlehem and they found Jesus. They were the first ones to find Jesus and receive Jesus. The the ones on the forgotten fringe, they're the first ones in all of history to receive the forgiveness and the reconciliation that God was bringing through his son. They were the ones that no one would care about, that no one would believe, but yet they were the first ones that found the truth. Maybe you're here today and this Christmas season you're feeling lonely. You're feeling forgotten. You're experiencing loss right now. I want to encourage you to do what the shepherds did, is to get up and go to Jesus. Get up, because he's inviting you to come to him. Go and find Christ followers who can pray for you, who can encourage you, who can speak words of peace to you, who, who can help you see that God has got a bigger plan in this and that God has not done That He wants to take your broken hearts and heal it and reform you in the midst of this. That's why Christmas exists. I love how Paul, who was one of the early church leaders, put it in the book of Romans. He says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for who? For us. For us. This is what God's gift did. While we were far away from God, while we were still sinners, while we had actually pushed God to the fringes, We pushed Jesus out to the forgotten fringe. While we did all that, God took the initiative and he came to us. He came to reach out to us and to love us, to offer us peace and love and hope and joy through his son. He came to love all of us. Can I ask you, what if this Christmas you followed the examples of the shepherd? You ran to Jesus. But that's not all that they did. You see, Jesus came to love all but he also sends us. Jesus sends us to love all. Guys, Jesus died... Not just so we could have eternal life, but he also actually made us ambassadors on this earth. So when then people see us, they're supposed to get a sense of what God is like when they interact with us, when they spend time with us, when they're in our presence. And that's exactly what the shepherds did. They didn't let their past reputation dictate how they would move forward after their relationship with God. Look what they did after they received the infant king. It says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. They took the words of, G- of this event, and they went viral with it. These guys were the most unlikely evangelists around, the shepherds. And this is yet literally what God did. He-, he took this forgotten group, and it was through them He took the word out all around. When I think of groups of folks that often get forgotten, I think one group that comes to my mind are international students. These are men and women that travel from all over the world, and they come to the United States to study. And many of them are separated from their families for years. They come here, and they study, and they stay until they finish getting their masters or their PhD degrees. And they're in another country, another culture, and they don't get to see their families. And I know for me, that would be really tough. I mean, could you imagine being in another culture where you don't really speak the language well? There's all these cultural differences. The food's different. You're far from your family, and you're separated them from, from them for a while. And then all of a sudden, every December, they all just kind of go crazy buying all these gifts and and spending time with one another. And and if you're an international student, you can feel kind of isolated, that no one's really looking out for you or or caring about you. So I had this this one couple that my wife and I were friends with. They heard about this, and they said, "We, we want to do something different. And so what they did was they actually reached out to Rutgers University's International Students Department. And they asked, hey, would there be a way where we could actually host some international students uh, at our home for Christmas? And they were super excited about it. And so they had a couple students come with them. And for these international students, this was a day of firsts. This was the first time they'd ever been in the home of an American family. It was the first time that they went to church for Christmas Eve. It was the first time. Had ever heard about Jesus. You see, these were Chinese exchange students. And China, for the most part, is an atheistic country. They don't really talk about God or He's really pushed out to the fringes. And so when they came on Christmas Eve and they heard about Jesus, and they they, they were talking about the, this new king who'd come into our world, they had question after question. So for their first Christmas dinner, They're just asking questions about who Jesus was. And they wanted to know more about his story and how he eventually would end at the cross. And as they're hearing more and more of this, they were blown away. They were amazed. In fact, their response was very similar to how the people who the shepherds told about the story of Jesus. See, this is how they responded. It said, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them they're blown away. Guys, there are people in your life right now that are waiting for you to share and to actually demonstrate God's love this Christmas in ways that will amaze them because they're going to see in you God in flesh. Let me share with you a couple examples. Uh, There's a couple that actually serve down in our Monmouth County campus. This is Mike and Diane Hoover. By the way, let's make some noise for Monmouth County. What's up, guys? (laughs) We're going to have our first Christmas with Monmouth County this year. So exciting. But Mike and Diane actually lived in Chicago for a season. And they didn't have a lot of close friends or family there. And the friends that they did have never would reach out to them. And they had said to them, hey, we're really struggling. It feels really lonely out here. There's no one around. And when no one reciprocated that, they just said, never again. And when they moved back to New New Jersey, they said, we will never let anyone be forgotten ever again. And so this Christmas, what they're doing is in their home, they're hosting a Christmas open house. And they're inviting everyone to come. They're inviting um, single parents. They're inviting folks that are maybe struggling with loss this time. Or they even inviting people that go to their gym. They're saying, hey, why don't you come if you don't have anywhere to go this Christmas? Because we want you to know that we see you. You're not forgotten. I love you, God's love you, and we have a place for you. Isn't that beautiful? I love how there's finding ways where they can actually share God's love in some tangible ways. They're demonstrating his love, demonstrating hope. There's another family who, many years ago, they went into the city with their two small kids for one of those radio city shows. And when they're there, they are confronted with all this homelessness all around. And for the kids, they were little, they were like, they didn't know what to really do with this. They were really struggling with this. And so they came back home, and as a family, they were just kind of talking about, what do we do? How can we help? The problem seems so big. what, what, What can we do as a family? And you know what they decided? They wanted to make these blessing bags. And in these bags, they would have protein bars, socks, toothbrush, toothpaste, soap, just a bunch of things like as a survival kit. But here's the difference that they had. In these bags, they wrote these handwritten notes, And in these notes, they were saying things like, hey, listen, we notice you. We care about you. We haven't forgotten you. We're praying for you this Christmas. And the next time they went into the city, they would hang out these blessing bags to however many homeless people they saw. You know what was cool about that? That as a family, they were showing their kids that this is what God's love looks like. They're demonstrating his love, not just talking about it. You know, there's people in your life right now that are on your forgotten fringe. And I bet you, God's already put them on your heart. You know who that man or who that woman is on your forgotten fringe. The person or people that kind of blend into the wallpaper of your life, that that seem very invisible. But sometimes there are people that are invisible because they're out of sight and out of mind, maybe even halfway around the world. That's why I wanna encourage you this Christmas or drop this idea about giving ethically. Even some of our purchases, if we put some thought to them, there are actually people behind the things that we buy. And guys, I don't, I don't think any of us really like to talk about this reality. None of us like to talk about how the fact that the graphic t-shirt that you bought from The Gap was probably made by someone in a sweatshop in Bangladesh somewhere for pennies a day. No one likes to talk about that because it's like, what do we do with that? Like, how, 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 do we, how do we fix that? And maybe we can't fix it because we're, you know, there's just so much brokenness in our world. But what if this year we actually found ways to make purchases where people are all being loved well, where they're all being cared for? We're actually thinking about the people behind our purchases this Christmas. I remember... You know, when my wife and I first got engaged, really struggling with this idea of h- how can we give ethically, uh, you know, we, were, we, were, we got engaged, and this is our first Christmas as an engaged couple, and we we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we do, you know, gifts, and who goes to whose family, and so my wife and I are having this conversation, so she asked me, what do you want for Christmas? And so, you know, I thought about it, I'm like, this is our first Christmas as an engaged couple, this is exciting, and I said, oh, I've got a great idea. I would love it if you could get me a goat. That's how she responded to, what? A, what? I'm like, yeah, think about it. This will be great. Like goats are cute. They're lovable. In fact, here, you know what's cool is we will never need to buy a lawnmower. We can always have a goat on a leash and it can eat our lawn and it'll eat our neighbors and it'll be great. It's, let's just get a goat. And she's like looking at me like this marriage is going to end before it begins. <laughs> and so, so I said, and she's like, are you serious? Like a goat? Goat? well. Uh, here's what I mean. I had this catalog from this uh, organization called World Vision. And in this catalog, you could actually look at things that you can get for people in the two-thirds world. And one of the things you could get is a goat. Because you could buy a goat, and then this goat would go to a family in Africa. And this family in Africa, look, who doesn't want a goat, right? Right? I'll get one for me one for them. So so, so here's what's so cool about getting a family in Africa a goat Because this goat would produce milk and you could drink the milk and it would be nutritious. You could make cheese out of the milk as well. And then families would actually sell some of that, save the money, and be able to send their kids to school. So their kids would be able to get an education. The family would be able to feed themselves. And it, it literally would, would be pulling them up out of poverty. And I was like, what a cool, it would be, I, thought, I was just thinking, it would be really cool if we did something like that. And so my wife loves gift giving, and she loves giving gifts around the present. She's like, all right, well, let me, let me think about that and see what I, what I can do. And so, you know, Christmas comes, and so I'm looking around the Christmas tree for a goat-shaped package. Um, LAUGHTER I'm like, well, you know, is there something, is there a box with holes in it? I don't know, like, how this whole thing works. And so she, she gives me this box, and it's got this, like, little bow and lid on it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's in the box? And so, so I take the box, and I open it up, and you know what was in it? It was a goat! Just kidding, it was a stuffed goat. Like, they can't, that's like, you can't put a real goat in a box, people. Come on. So anyway, got this stuffed goat, but inside was this little card that said, we've donated this amount of money to World Vision to go to a family so that they could one day have a goat. And, you know, we didn't miss out on anything that Christmas. Like, you know, we still did the presents thing. We got great gifts. But now there is a family. Normally that Normally, I'm not going to meet this family. I'm not going to even know who they are. But yet this Christmas, they're getting blessed with the gift of life. They are going to be able to survive a little bit longer. And if you're looking for ideas on how you can give ethically this Christmas or even, you know, as the year goes on, if you open up your sermon notes in your Liquid Church app, I've listed dozens and dozens of organizations and companies where you can get everything from boots made by folks in Guatemala that are getting a fair wage, uh, blankets made by Syrian refugees, coffee made by Rwandan survivors. You've got all this list that you can look in your app that you can use them for any last-minute gift ideas, or maybe throughout the year, you can start finding ways that you can actually give ethically and make a difference not just here but around the world. Now, I know at this point some of you are thinking, Pastor Nathan." What a great idea. I wish I heard this series, oh, I don't know, two months ago? (laughs) I feel the same way. I'm like, I wish I heard heard this a couple months ago. (laughs) But listen, here's what we're trying to do with the Advent Conspiracy. We want to plant seeds. Because let's be honest, Christmas time is not the time that we're the most consumeristic as a culture. Consumerism, I think Pastor Tim said this a while ago, is one of our gods. But what if we started to push back on it, not just at Christmas time, but every single year? What if we started to do these little acts of resistance against the consumerism all around us? You see, I think it can get overwhelming because we're thinking, I got to redo everything. You don't have to redo everything. I love what Pastor Tim said last week. Maybe you just do for one. You pick one person this Christmas on your fringe. So who's your one? Who's your one? Uh, you know, I, I know that for, for many of us around this time of year, we're going to start binge watching our holiday favorite movies, whether it's the Hallmark Channel or or Netflix or Disney Plus. But what if you added to your binge watching fringe watching? You're actually taking a look about the people around you that are forgotten. I know for for some of you right now, you've got that one or two people that you know they're on your fringe. It's your barista, it's your neighbor. But for some of you, you're like, oh, I don't really know who that person is. I don't even know who that who, who I'm supposed to invest in. Well, if, if that's you today, maybe you'd consider joining us as a church, because we want to help an entire family of people that are often forgotten. In fact, that's what this year's Christmas offering is about. We are going to transform our Clean Water Cafe here in Morris County into a Monday to Friday full-service coffee shop staffed by teens and adults with special needs. And a lot of people overlook and discount men and women with special needs because they have intellectual and developmental disabilities and they get pushed to the forgotten fringe. But we wanna let them know that you're not just welcome here, but we're making space at the table for you to have a voice. You can actually contribute something. You know, we've been talking about this idea of spending less this Christmas, right? Like we're gonna spend less What if you took that money that you spent less and you gave it to a cause that you would really help people that need it? You see, that's really what our Christmas offering's about. But also, Christmas is the time where you can invite the overlooked in your life. Maybe this Christmas, God's telling you, you need to invite someone to Christmas Eve. Guys, on Tuesday, we're celebrating Christmas Eve. We're gonna have a candlelight service. Pastor Tim, man, he's got an amazing message lined up. It's a salvation message. If you've got men and women in your life that don't know Jesus yet, and maybe it's people you've been investing in, you've been praying for, you've been hanging out with at the gym and going out for coffee with, this is the time where I want to encourage you to take that risk and invite them to come with you on Christmas Eve. Maybe this is a Christmas that they don't just receive a tie or whatever gift they get, but they actually get to receive the gift of hope, the gift that comes through Christ. I don't know who your one is. Who's your one? And how does God want to bless them through you, his ambassador, this Christmas? Let me pray. Spirit of God, I am just stunned. I'll be honest, God, I don't always understand you. You went to these shepherds that were ignored and overlooked, but yet the message that you downloaded into them was so powerful that people... It didn't matter who they were or what they had done or what was in their past that message changed and transformed them god would your message continually change and transform us and shape us today as we receive your word with joy would you help us and let it overflow out of our hearts into a world that's hungry and looking for you in jesus name